Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. All right, so in John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, it says this, but an hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers, say true worshipers, say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father, what? Seeks to be his, to be his what? God is spirit, verse 24, and those who worship him must, must worship in spirit and truth. Not can, not should, but must. Amen? Now, who's talking in this passage of Scripture? Jesus is, and he's actually talking to a woman uh, that's obviously not living a very good life right now. This particular woman has come to get her some water from a well, and Jesus is hanging out there while his disciples have gone to get him some food. And so he's having a conversation with her. And um, what's brought this conversation to the point that we're at is that, um, you know, he begins to engage her and he technically in the natural should not because he is Jewish and she's a Samaritan. So by all rights, he is destroying a racial issue right here. Not only is he speaking to a woman, but he's speaking to a Samaritan woman. And so, you know, they have a little bit of a discourse and he's basically letting her know what he has. Because she's like, well, how are you going to get some water? He said, well, now, woman, if you knew who I was, then you'd be asking me for the living water and you would never thirst again. Right? So he ends up going in and telling her her life story a little bit. Well, you have had five husbands, actually. Right? And the one you're with now is not the one. I see you're a prophet. Right? So then she gets spiritual on him and starts talking about worship. Where to worship at and what the people are saying. You know, the relig- religious will say a lot about worship. There's a lot to say in religion about worship. But then Jesus makes this statement here in John chapter 4. And he says, An hour's coming and is now when true worshipers, which implies there are false ones. All right? So if there's true worshipers, then there must be false ones. Because, again, Jesus saying true is letting us know there are faults, which then tells us the Bible must be able to reveal to us what false worship is. Okay, if he reveals us, there are true ones. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, not just in spirit, but in what? In truth, which then tells us a false worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in false. Because there are evil spirits. You can be led by an evil spirit. You can be in the spirit with the wrong spirits, with familiar spirits. So you can worship the Father in the spirit, meaning your spirit, hearing from other spirits. And it be false. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. All right. God is spirit. And those who worship him must. This is how we do it. Okay. 
We must worship him in spirit and truth. Notice it doesn't say worship him in soul. So whether you feel it or not, whether you're emotionally attached is not necessary. Because when you worship in spirit, you can actually do it in an emotion opposite of how you feel once you engage in worship. And if you'll do that, then the actual soul realm can catch up to the spirit realm. I don't worship him because I'm happy. I don't worship him because I'm glad. I worship him in spirit. And what's going on in my soul is irrelevant. And it will need to change to get in line with the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. So I'm, I'm ministering out of this line because there is false worship in the churches. Okay? And so I need to address a little bit because there's a problem in churches in general. Okay? And it's really in religion. Can I just say it that way? There's a problem in religion because if you're religious, then words in the Bible have religious meanings. But when you're in the kingdom then words are defined according to the king. Why do I say that? We've said this before. In the, again, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was, verse 14 of that same chapter 1, and the word became, was his name? Jesus. So Jesus is the word. Well, if Jesus is the word, he is the author of all words, which means he has the right to define them. So it's, it's up to us to get in Scripture to see how God's defining words, not how man's defining words. Because if man will define the word, the man will define it religiously. And once you take one of God's words and makes it a religious word, then it has no power. But when you let the king define what he means by a word... Then you get the full context, like Lord. Lord is not a religious word. It means supreme in authority. So when we say Jesus Christ is Lord, that means he's supreme in authority. Well, what does that mean, supreme in authority? Who's the one in authority? He is, and he is he the first one, the supreme one. So then why are you making the decisions without him? Now, religion will let you continue to do what you want to do and still call him Lord because the only thing that he has supremacy over is keeping you out of hell. Because he died on the cross, his blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins, you called on the name of the Lord, his name is Jesus, and you were saved, and he can do nothing else for you, but he definitely keeps you out of hell, and you get to do your life like you want to because by all rights, religion has defined grace as the, uh, the, um, the unmerited favor of God that allows you to continue to sin because you couldn't do anything to get right, so you can't do anything to stay right. All right, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen, but that's all right. 
Hallelujah. You understand, some of y'all been here for some decades. Okay? And what you're failing to recognize is that not everyone in the room has been here for decades. Which means some people in the room are like, I have never heard this before in my life. And your lack of enthusiasm makes them think you don't know nothing either. <laughs> that you're like, I've never heard this before. Because you know when you first started hearing things about the kingdom, you became speechless. But when you know something, you should say amen to it. When you're like, praise God. Yes, I remember that truth. That's awesome. You should have some kind of engagement. Hallelujah. So can we do a little bit better? Amen. Praise the Lord. I mean, no coach is going to let their team play flat. They finish a play, they walk. All right, offense is in. How many games do y'all play? Well, we play a lot of games, coach. Been doing this for the Little League. Just, just, just tell us to play, man. Right? I mean, if y'all watching y'all's team do that, y'all be screaming at the TV, throwing things at it, tearing your shirts off, find another team. I got to be around a team that's got passion. I mean, Pastor Mike totally did repentance because of that. He was so sick and tired of the mediocrity of Michigan. He says, I'm going back to my roots. Is that not true? He said, I'm tired of mediocrity. There's no passion in their game. And I was born in Ohio anyway. I'm going back to Ohio State. And there he is. Total repentance. That's repentance. From Michigan to Ohio State. He has repented. Are you hearing me? Now he'll get to heaven when he makes the Gators his team. I'm just kidding. We're in mediocrity. I might be coming somewhere else myself. Uh, my point is, is why do we get into mediocrity in services? When we're hearing truths. When we're hearing things, hallelujah. Because again, the more we desire to know, the more we will know. And the thing is, is that a religion can sneak in anywhere. I said religion can sneak in anywhere. Because religion starts to redefine God's word. And that's what the devil did in the garden. Well, God said it, but it's deception. Because that's what religion is. Religion is the deception that you're right with God. Although you know something ain't right. But you're doing what you're supposed to do religiously. Hallelujah. But in the kingdom, you have a daddy who sits on the throne. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And he's raised you up and seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, where you're on the throne with him. You're a child of the king. And dad says that he looks for those who will worship him and they'll be true worshipers. Okay? So in the majority of churches based upon religion, and I say this, I'm not just limited to the United States, when we hear worship, we typically think of singing because we have a phrase. We say praise and why do we say this? See, we really don't even question ourselves half the time. And it's habit. We get into habit. Well, we're, having, well, we're doing a praise and worship service. Well, praise can include worship. But worship doesn't always include praise. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> it doesn't always include it. So when Jesus is saying here he's looking for true worshipers, what he's not saying and what a lot of people will say, and you've probably heard this in your religious circles, we were created to worship. Now, when they say that, you know they saying, we going to sing. And what's bad is, if you were created to worship, how come you sing so bad? Why would God create someone who's supposed to sing all the time that can't sing a lick? I mean, that's cruel and unusual for a dad to say, I want you to sing to me. You are created to worship me, to worship, and meaning singing, and you can't sing. And you're like, dad loves him better. Listen to that voice, and here's mine. <laughs> but it's amazing we say this. We're created to worship. We just can't wait to get there. Now, are we going to sing? Yes. But were we created to sing? No. No, Genesis 1.26 tells us what we were created to do. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have a good voice who can sing to me all the time, praises to my name only, and sing, sing, sing. They're going to worship me, worship me, worship me. So it can't be that worship is singing and it's not slow songs. Praise and so we're praising him when it's fast. We are worshiping him when it's slow. Oh, we went to the worship set. <laughs> went to the worship set. <laughs> right? Went to the worship set. Oh, I just really love to worship God. And here's the thing. What brought this conversation to me as a 23-year-old minister in Moundville, Alabama. And he was about to introduce me, and he says, my generation, all they want to do is get in praise services. They love to sing. He said, but singing alone won't change them permanently. And then he uses a scripture for that, and I'm like, that's good. That's good. Because what happens is, when we are religious, then we will begin to worship aspects of God or things that can, you can do towards God as the only thing. The reason why we wrote the force was because we tend to find places that we want to stop and hug. And God never intended us to have an expression to stop us, and all we want to do is that. Period. We are going to let the word define what worship is so you can understand what a true worshiper is then. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yes. Because the king is looking for truth. In fact, he seeks them. I said he seeks them. I said he seeks them. And we're going to see how he sought after one and what it really means to worship, which can include singing. All right? Y'all with me now? Yes. Okay. So man was created in God's image, in the image of God, according to Genesis 1, to have dominion or rule. 
Man was to have dominion, to have rulership. Ruling can require him to sing to the supreme ruler. No problem there. But it does not mean that's all they do. In fact, if we see, let us make man in our image. Turn up, put it up there real quick, guys. Genesis 126. And let's find the singing in it. Okay? Genesis 126. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our license and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God, next verse, God created man, right, in his image, both male and female, he created them. So both male and female has dominion. He tells them to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, to keep. Five things he mentions to them in the 28th verse for them to do. Never does he say man was created to worship where worship means singing. It doesn't say, let us make man in our image according to our lives and let them sing to the fish, sing to the birds, sing to the cattle. Now you can sing all you want to to your pets. I don't care. But you weren't created. Right? Nowhere in there does it say that our sole reason for existing, if we're defining worship as singing, is to sing. Doesn't say that. At all. So you understand why a lot of people sometimes don't want to make a relationship with Jesus because number one, they can't sing. Number two, it just doesn't make sense to them that they would sing for eternity. You understand God has taken care of the singing for eternity. He has created beings. They are not humans that are around his throne and they have one song they sing. One, not like this that we do up here. One song they sing in. They sing in one song. And they have not worn out that song, nor has that song gotten worn out in the ears of the Lord. They are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Come on. And they keep singing it. And they keep singing it. And they keep singing it. Because they were created to sing that song around the throne. But man was not created to go around the throne singing. So religion's got people believing that they accept Jesus into their heart so they die, they can go to heaven where he currently resides to sing for eternity to him. It is one massive choir. Right? But the Bible doesn't say that. Religion does. Hallelujah. Which means then, if you are saying and all you're trying to do is be in praise services, again, according to their definition, praise and worship. I just love praise and worship services. Oh, I just love to be in praise and worship services. I just love to get in the presence of God and praise and worship. I just love to be in That's all I want to do is be in the praise and worship service. Well, they can't be a true worshiper. They'll start running themselves to becoming a false worshiper. Are you hearing me? So let's see what happens when music plays. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14 to 23. Yeah, I know. 
Now, y'all going to have to let me explain a couple things, okay? Y'all going to be all right with me? Because the minute we read these first couple of verses, they're very problematic. But again, this is why you have to read the Bible in context. Amen. This is again, this is why we say at Anchor Faith Church, you need to read it from cover to cover. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Because, and again, you have to interpret it based upon the covenants we're in. Okay, the dispensations we're in. Because we're in a new and better covenant now in a different dispensation that things that were happening in this particular time don't have to happen like that. And you can't be acting like it's still happening that way when you're born of God. Okay. Now, it says, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. He was king of Israel. And an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Now, is this is problematic because at this point, you would have to conclude reading that, that God has evil spirits on his payroll. And that's troubling. Right? This is troubling. So again, this is one of those verses that typically everybody wants to stay away from. Because we're like, can't explain that one. Well, we can when we go to Job. Because when we go to Job, because you got to understand, there's a spiritual world out there besides God's heavenly spirits or righteous ones. There is another um, realm of spirit or fallen spirits. We can find this in Isaiah chapter 14. In Ezekiel, we are aware and we know of Satan himself, but you understand Satan's not alone. The Bible tells us that a third of the heavenly hosts were cast down. Right? Now, I'm not going to get into some other debates concerning some other contexts where people talk about a pre-Adamic race and that because of that, there's some things there of some disembodied uh, spirits out of humans. That is subjective, and there's not enough evidence for you to build doctrines on. But when you don't know it entirely, you should keep yourself open to be able to be taught. That's all I'm saying. We do know there is a devil. We do know there are evil spirits. The Bible tells us. We know there are unclean spirits. The Bible tells us this. We understand that these demonic spirits, they can possess people. We know this. This is clear doctrine in Scripture across the board. And we know that the devil, Satan, is what Jesus calls him, is the prince of the power of the air. Now, why is he that? It's because he held dominion. Where did he get the dominion from? Luke chapter 4, in the temptation of Christ. Remember, he takes Jesus up to a high pinnacle and shows him all the kingdoms in a moment of time. Not religions. But all kingdoms, and he says all these domains, that means the territory that I have authority over, I'll give to you. He said all these domains, I'll give to you because they've been what? Handed over to me. Where did the devil gain uh, the possession of rulership? At Adam, because God told Adam, don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day you eat, you will surely die. When Adam ate the fruit based upon the words of Satan through the serpent who deceived his wife, he heard that conversation, watched her eat, then took it himself, bit into the fruit, 
The Bible says he immediately died and a transfer of power. Now, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that he is the God of this world. He doesn't own planet Earth, but he has dominion over systems that function on the planet. And up until the time of Jesus, he was controlling it all. Now, he still has control based upon the fallen sin nature of man. There are kids that are still a part associated with him. Because remember, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. So again, everyone on planet Earth is not God's loving children. In fact, just to let you know, all of us are the minority because more are with the devil than with God. There are more unbelievers than there are believers. There are more um, um, children of the devil or children of darkness, children of wrath, than there are children of light, children of God, children of righteousness because they've not come through the blood. Are you hearing me? So this is King Saul. This is the old covenant. This is before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Job gives us an insight of how the devil was trying to determine what did he get from Adam. So when he goes up before the Lord, because he's the accuser of the brethren, because again, he can devour you if you are in his territory. And his territory is where he steals, kills, and destroys is death. It is sin. His territory is anything that's disobedient. Adam got underneath the devil's authority the minute he disobeyed God. He became a slave to the devil the day he dis- the, the second he disobeyed God. Right? Which made him supreme in authority on the earth. Now, God has given man dominion. And he can't take it from the devil. Because, again, God can do whatever he wants to do. That's what religion says. Well, if that's the case, why didn't God come down the garden, slap the serpent? Take this invisible dominion that we can't see anyway. And give it and say, I forgive you, Adam, and give it back to Adam. Because the king's bound by his word. So when God the Father says, Let man have dominion on the earth to rule, now it requires a man to come back and get the dominion. This is why God has to come as a man. He has to put himself in a flesh suit because it's legal entry. And God is a legal God. He does not go against his own word. And when Adam sinned, death came and death has a price. Sin has a price. It's called death. It has to be paid. The wages of sin is? Well, did Jesus pay that price? Yes, he did. He died. And his blood was more precious than silver and gold, which paid a debt. That's why we're called redeemed. So the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is a financial transaction between two kingdoms. Where the Lord now has the legal right 
to deliver anyone who will call him Lord because he's paid the price for them. But now he will not deliver them unless they acknowledge him. Although he's already paid the price. Which means they have to denounce the devil as Lord, supreme in authority, telling me what to do. And now Jesus is supreme in authority, who I yield to and tells me what to do because his words are love and life anyway. You do not keep following this one, expecting to go to heaven with that one. Are you hearing me? So the devil goes up and the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? You, he said, well, he asked first, first thing he says to me, he says, he said, where you been? He said, well, you know, just roaming the earth. Well, why is he roaming the earth? That's where his kingship is. You're not in your kingship if you're not within the territory of your domain. President Biden is the president of the United States. He is not the president of China. Oh, y'all want to hear this. Uh, he can go to China all day long, but he has no authority in China. The only authority he has in China is what's in the home country. He only has protection from a land that he's not in. But at the end of the day, could China take him? Meaning, I mean, capture him. He could. It could happen. I mean, plenty of presidents have been taken over before. He could go in for a summit and they capture him, throw him in prison, hold him ransom. Now, what takes place then? Anybody? Well, you assume war, number one. What happens is the vice president assumes the role. That's what happens. Kamala Harris becomes president while he's in jail to negotiate with the country to determine how they're going to try to get him out. Whether that's by brute force or through some form of negotiation or whatever case. But she'll become. That's how that works. No problem. That's just how that works. My point is, is that the devil is not going to heaven to take dominion. The devil went up to heaven in the realm of the spirit. You understand in the heavenlies and the Lord's like, what have you been doing? Well, I'm roaming my domain because they all my people down there. He said, well, if you considered my servant Job, because ain't nobody like him, he's righteous. Now he's righteous based upon the knowledge that's available of God on the earth that day, at that time. And based upon what is known about God at that time, he is living righteous. And so he says, well, it's only cause you got him protected. Well, guess what God does to the righteous? He protects them. But then he says this, he says, now listen, you take his stuff, he would curse you. In essence, he's only righteous because of the benefits that come with righteousness. If trouble actually came to him, and you know what the Lord says? He says, well, he's in your power, which means he's already in your authority. It wasn't God authorizing Satan. It was him saying, well, his stuff is already in your authority because you have dominion over cattle. Y'all don't want to hear this. You have dominion over the cattle. You have the dominion over his stuff. Now, obviously, he can't appeal to me, but in the end, you do have dominion over this. You're the God of this world. And the kids that came from his loins, how was man made? 
out of the dust of the earth. Now, here's the problem. Daddy is doing sacrifices for kids because he's concerned that every night they're having a party. They may be doing things and saying stuff that is not righteous to the king and keeping themselves in the hedge of protection, of which apparently they were not. Because the Satan was able to do something to their skin suits, which was of the earth, and they all died. They died. The cattle died. The plants died. It was his dominion. Did he curse him? No. So he shows back up. Which, well, I'm just roaming my domain. He said, well, you're still thinking about Job. There ain't nobody righteous like the guy. And he did not do what you said he would do. Because again, when the Bible says you move me to go against him, basically all he is saying is you moved to take his stuff that was technically in your dominion, but by right of righteousness, I could defend him. He says, well, you touch the man's skin, he's going to curse you. And guess what God does? He says, well, he's in your power, meaning... You're, it's, it's true. I form man out of the dust of the, and you have dominion over all the, so you can put sickness on him, but you can't put a sickness that will cause his spirit to leave his body because he's done nothing deserving of death. So he limits how much sickness can be on him. Because it's, it's in your power. Now, you can't go, well, I guess the Lord's letting the devil mess with my body today because it's, no, he's not in your power. He's been stripped and whipped of his power in this covenant. He has been whipped of his, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you've been healed. You don't have to wait one moment. You don't have to take one symptom because you're a child of the king and the healthcare system of the king is that by his stripes he were healed. So you don't put up with that. So you can't be pulling Job over here. Job is even before the law. Okay, just so we're clear. So he says, it's in your power. Now, what happens? He still doesn't curse him. And in the end, most scholars believe that was about a nine-month period. The, the max is 18 months. Most say it's probably about nine months. That the Lord says, he did not do what you said. He maintained his righteousness, and I have the legal right, I do, because of what he knows about me he's following by faith. I always deliver the righteous out of all their trouble. So don't touch him no more. And when he couldn't touch him, what happened? He got double for his... Double the flock, double the... Farms double the kids. Now, he didn't have 14 kids on the planet. He had seven more because the other seven were with the Lord. Are you hearing me? Okay. Y'all doing all right? So then, when we say an evil spirit from the Lord, then you have to understand, according to the scripture, it says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. In essence, Satan has come up at the time of King Saul and he says, 
You know I got a legal right to this man. You know he didn't do what you said. You know he was disobedient. And you put the anointing that was on him on somebody else already. And I, I'm going to torment him. And the Lord, he's in your power. Okay, just so we understand that this is functioning now. It's not God doing it. It's the devil going up to that realm and saying, I have a legal right under this dispensation that he was in. Now, he can still do that with people that are, that are number one, lost. Number two, he can do it to the believer who is backslidden. Make no mistake about it. You can't go out under grace and do a bunch of sin and the devil can't touch you. No, he's knocking at your door and he's letting the devil know, I'll be talking to your son. I'll be visiting your daughter's house this weekend. And you tie his hands because you are living up underneath that domain again. And you're crying for grace to protect you. When grace can't even be activated unless you're in faith. It's by grace through, through what? You know how many people aren't in faith? So then you're not in grace. All right. Amen. But religion lets you do the least. Instead of the kingdom, God clearly defines, this is what I can do and only I can do, and this is what you do. And when you do yours and I do mine, nobody can stop us. That's how the kingdom functions. Are you hearing me? Because Adam's without sin. And the creator could not stop it. Oh, y'all. He could not stop it. All he could do was empower him to not do it. And he did with the word. Son, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat it, you will surely. He empowered him, but he couldn't stop him. And some of you parents, if you don't watch out, which is why you need to come to our parenting conference, is that you are trying to stop things in your kids. You can't stop it. All you can do is empower them to make the right choices. And then hold them accountable to make those choices. All right. So do we understand where the evil spirits come from now? They petitioned. They went to the courtroom. They went up to the kingdom and says, hey, I got a right to this guy. Because he's in disobedience. And you pull the anointing anyway. There's no protection on that king. All right. He goes on and says this, verse 16, let the Lord now command your servant. This is his servants now, King Saul's servants, saying to him, let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is skillfully, a skillful player on the harp, and he shall come about when the evil spirit from God, again, that legally went to God and says, I got a right to go terrorize this guy. Uh, is on you, then he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So Saul said to the servant, provide me a man who can play well and bring him to me. So there must have been something that it was known in the land that when someone played, evil spirits would get off people. 
Are you hearing me? Then one man, uh, then one of the young men said, Behold, I know of a son of Jesse, who is a skillful musician, mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent speech, a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. So uh, Saul sent message to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the flock. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine, because you do not come to a king empty-handed. And a young goat, and sent them to Saul by David, his son. Then David came to Saul and attended him, and David and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. Verse 23. And, and it came about whenever. Say whenever. 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 So that's not one time. It's whenever. Whenever the evil spirit from God <laughs> came to Saul, David would play the harp and play it with what? His hand. And Saul would be what? Refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. And when we religiously define worship as singing, what happens is, is the devil will accommodate environments. So you come to church, you're pressed from the whole week, heavy, burdened, and you just want to worship him. I mean, you want to dance before him. I mean, you want to give him your all. You're going to dance like David danced. You're going to sing like David sang. You're going to just pour it all out every time. And the, you sense the presence and all that heavy weight and it lifts. And you're like, I wish they would let us do praise longer. I wish they would let it go longer. I just wish we could have more. You know, I just worship all the time in my house. I've got music going 24-7 all the time. I'm just singing praises all the time. Why? Because it lifts. And yeah, the Bible does say it'll lift. But you know what? That's not permanent. Because why are those same people having to come in to get stuff off? Because whenever, I said whenever, which means apparently the evil spirit had access. So what was going on in Saul's life, obviously, or what's going on on these Christians' lives, that there's always a heaviness that shows up that they need to get somewhere and sing to get it off. They got to get in a praise service. They got to go to the Hillsong concert or to the Gateway concert or to the Elevation concert or they got to go down to the amphitheater or some other kind of uh, Christian concert. They got to go to all these performances and get up and into all this music because, wow, it pulled up all my oppression and it will for a season. But it's not permanent. And this is what that 23-year-old minister in Moundsville said. He said, in my generation, the guys my age, all they want to do is get in the singing and the worship conferences and all that. And he says, it's no permanent change. Because David's music did not permanently change Saul. I don't care how much Pastor Marcus is worshiping up here, jumping, dancing, pouring his heart out towards the Lord. That is not permanent change going to happen for you. Will this environment lift the room? Yes. Will it be able to pull things off you? Yes. And why is it designed? So that you can become a true worshiper. Because when it's lifted, you're supposed to then move into what causes you to be a true worshiper. And it has nothing to do with singing, although it may require it at times. 
You know how many people are obsessed? They are worshiping, singing to the Lord. They worship the music. They worship it so much they don't even listen to the context. You know how many, we, you know how many songs we change? I can't even sing half the stuff that's out there. It's full of doubt, unbelief, old covenant doctrine that it has no place in the new covenant. But you know what it is? It's emotions. So what it is is create an environment where they're worshiping him. And again, because they define worship as singing in soul and scripture. That's how I'm going to say it. Because just because you're using scripture don't mean you're speaking truth. Oh, you don't hear this. You can use scripture to manipulate. You can use scripture to bring a false doctrine. I mean, even the devil quoted scripture with Jesus. So just because they're using scripture in their song doesn't mean it's scriptural or it's truth. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. If you read Job, God took nothing from Job. The devil did. So why are we singing Job's misunderstanding? Because he has no context concerning the devil. You understand Job doesn't have our Bible. God himself didn't even tell Adam about the devil. He comes down the cool of day. That's how he communicates with him in the garden. He didn't say, um, son, I just want you to know where I'm living, we had a little problem. I mean, it didn't take long because your daddy's powerful, you know. So I had this created being that I had. He went rogue, got about a third of some angels to go with him, you know, so they came against the kingdom up there. They came against Michael, man, they were fighting some stuff, but I took care of that with a word, right? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So I've sent him down here. You need to be looking out for him. His name is. Never said that. He gave him one word that it doesn't matter if the devil showed up, walked around. Don't eat the fruit, son. You can eat everything else. Don't eat the fruit. <laughs> so we're assuming Job has this context of the devil and Satan and what he's doing. I mean, scholars believe that it's Genesis, I think, up to chapter 22. The whole book of Job is there. It's considered the oldest book of the Bible because it's the complete book before Genesis. He actually finishes being penned of its history. So Job doesn't have the, the, the five, the Torah. He didn't have this. He has the conversations and testimonies of things that God has done. There's some knowledge that has been passed on through Adam somehow in the earth and his son somehow. Something's through to some degree that Job is able to have some context of God. Although we do know that Romans themselves says just through creation, God's invisible. People are without excuse to know there's a God. So there's something that he knew that kept him in this position of righteousness with the Lord. But he has no contest. And everyone knows that God's all powerful. So at the end of the day, he's assuming then, well, God, 
Who am I to complain if God takes away what I have? Because I'm just going to worship him anyway. You know, we should just worship him anyway, but God's given us a whole scripture that lets us know that's not my character. If something's being stripped from you and I'm a cause, it's because you're in gross disobedience and I've done a lot to try to talk you out of the stuff you're in. I'm going to say that again. If the Lord is personally involved with the dismantling of stuff that you have, it's because you're in gross disobedience and he has been extremely long-suffering to talk you out of what you're in. So people want to just come to the singing stuff. I mean, most churches, the singing is longer than the preaching. Well, let's just feel better. When they're really worshiping, because of their definition of worship, in soul and scriptures. That's how it makes them feel. And the more the song makes them feel good, look, you know as well as I do, I could throw out some secular stuff right now. I'm talking stuff that's straight from the pit of hell. I'm talking stuff that, I mean, if I would have been in high school with some of the songs that come out today, man, it had been rough deal. It had been rough. I mean, lyrically, there was some stuff in when I was in high school anyway. I mean, but it's become mainstream pop stuff. I mean, it's very descriptive. I remember when I was a youth pastor. Now, you understand, this is 20-something years ago, and there's a guy by the name of Nelly. Anybody know who Nelly is? Okay, it got hot in here. How many of you know that song? Okay, some of y'all. Now, you understand what happens when it gets hot. There is no way I wouldn't be going out and playing that with a girl in a car with the heater on. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. And I bet you there's a lot of girls that did that song. But I'm telling you right now, you don't have to hear the words, but the, the beat starts going, you can't help but go. y'all y'all at the stadium you'll be at the mall somewhere you know out and about and if something's playing you can't be be like (laughs) catching yourself working that thing you understand so christian music i'm talking about your shoulders working your shoulders we are no longer at nelly's song so get your mind right y'all should be able to recover faster than that We're in church, people. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I mean, you, you can't help but be like, you, I mean, we participate. We have no problem with moving with rhythm. I mean, well, okay, that is debatable. That is true. Some do, but they still try is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know you can't watch some of the people clap. You know you can't. You're like, I can't even sing this song now. <laughs> But it's soul. And emotionally, I mean, you're screaming. You got veins popping. You're sweating. You're putting your whole soul in it. But your spirit may not even be close. In fact, most it's not. In fact, with some of the lyrics, it can't be. It can't even be. Again, I had teenagers before the depot when I was in Florida that came to me and wanted me to sing a song with the worship team 
called Heaven Let Your Light Shine Down by Collective Soul. Collective Soul, is that who it was? Yeah, Collective Soul. It's secular. But why did they want me to sing it? Because it had the word heaven in it. Yeah, Pastor Vanessa's youth group. I think she was the one who suggested it. <laughs> oh, you're going to say it's Jimmy James. I see how it is. You're going to throw him. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I saw Vanessa be over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, we are, no, no. Just cause it says heaven don't mean it's heaven. I mean, it could be the first or second heaven where there's principalities out, but we ain't talking about the third heaven people. Then I found out later that the guy wrote the song while in a strip bar. And while he was watching the girl dance, this came to his mind. Okay, just so y'all know. My point is, is that the enemy's doing a good job of keeping you in your soul realm and not in your spirit because he's redefined worship as singing and he wants you to be emotionally all in because he even knows that music has the potential and you can get in atmospheres where it can pull things off. But here's the problem. If you do not do what's necessary, then even that environment will fail. And again, we minister that you can get into worship and, and things that are on you can begin to lift, and they will. And I believe that you can come into Anchor Faith Church and we can do stuff here and things begin to rise. And it will rise, but the reason it's coming up off you is because of what you need to do to become a true worshiper. Because if you don't, then you get 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 10, says this. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God, and we've already explained this, was mightily upon Saul, and he raved in the midst of the house. While David was what? Playing, playing the harp. And remember, whenever it came on, he played the harp, and what took place? It would go away. He would be refreshed. He was playing the harp with his hands as usual, and a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice. So this time when singing went, instead of them, Saul come being refreshed, Saul got more angry. This is important because, again, if you don't do what you need to do to become a true worshiper, then all the worship of Anchor Faith Church is going to do is make you mad. Because that's why you'll stand in the back like this. And Pastor Mark said, well, lift your hands. And you're hurling spears in your mind because you're saying, this is stupid. I wish they'd go on, man. It's so dumb. I don't understand why there's people up there acting like that. It's just so idiotic. We say just shut up, sit down, and let them preach. Well, the preacher's doing nothing for you. <laughs> Although it, need, it would do something for you if you actually would listen. Because there is a time to raise your hand. There's a time to dance. There's a time to shout. There's a time. I get it. There's, there's a time when it's time to praise. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's lift our hands. Let's clap. Let's do it all. I mean, the scripture says we should praise the Lord. But if you're having a hard time praising, it's because you've gotten where Saul's at. Because when things were lifted, you didn't do what you're supposed to do to be a true worshiper. And now you're mad in it. 
And this ain't the only occasion. First Samuel chapter 19, very next chapter. Chapter 9, uh, verse 9 and 10. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house and his spear was in his hand and David was playing the harp with his hand. And Saul tried to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped out of the, uh, Saul's presence so that he stuck the spear into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. That night because in this account, he sent the guys over to his house because at this point now he's married to his daughter. The first one, he wasn't married to his daughter, so he sends him off to the Philistines to get killed. And the reason he said, I'll let, you know, you need to marry my daughter. And he said, look, I'm just a guy from the, you know, uh, out in the field. I, I have nothing to be able to do a dowry for your daughter. I can't even, you know, he's already rejected being his son once. Now he's like, what do you, what do I do? He said, look, you just kill me a hundred uh, Philistines and, you know, basically circumcise them and bring that, 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 that piece of skin back. And David did it. He was hoping that David was going to die. But he didn't. And when David came to town after that one, they said, Saul kills his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And the worship service didn't lift him anymore. In fact, he was never in another musical session with David ever again. Because music could soothe him no more. And there's a lot of people in churches that music does not soothe them anymore. And now we're at a problem. Because you've been told religiously you were created to worship and you can't. In fact, that makes you mad. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. But I appreciate the one. Because we are in a culture right now that our... Praise and worship has gone so secular. I can name bands right now, and y'all are listening to them. You're watching them on YouTube. You're singing to the top of your lungs. And most of you are not even just examining whether or not what they're saying is scriptural at all. Now, I'm not telling you to abandon singing. Please do not. Please sing. I'm not telling you to never listen to anyone. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be more understanding as you grow, there's probably some things that you were singing you're probably not going to sing. And if the Lord's not dealt with you about a particular song, sing away. But the minute you begin to realize, man, I don't know if that's right, then you need to make an adjustment because God wants you to be accurate. Are you hearing me? Now, how can we determine what a true worshiper is? Well, we picked up this whole context about David showing up In 1 Samuel 16, in the 14th verse, if we go back to that chapter, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, but man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What kind of heart is God going after? He tells us three chapters earlier in 1 Samuel 13. Go to 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 to 14. Samuel said to Saul, you have acted foolishly. You have not what? Oh, come on. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which, you, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would uh, have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not endure. For the Lord has sought. He's looking now. Sought out for himself a man after his own heart and the man 
And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have what? Not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, what took place here? This here, the Lord said, hey, Samuel said, show up. We're going to do a sacrifice. I'll be there to do the sacrifice. The people started to leave, so he wanted to please the people. Samuel's not there. He's not being patient. He doesn't do what Samuel says that the Lord said, so he does the sacrifice himself. And now the Lord says, you didn't obey me? Now he did a sacrifice to the Lord. But the Lord didn't say him to do the sacrifice. The prophet's coming to do the sacrifice. So the Lord says, I'm looking for somebody. But he gives him another opportunity, or at least he, again, tries to come back to him and say, listen, if you're going to be a true worshiper, this is how it works. So we go to the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. And he says, now, Saul, you're going to go into battle. And this group of people right here, you're keeping nothing. You destroy it all. You're not, you don't keep a thing. I understand in these past battles, you guys have taken the best. You've done a sacrifice. You've honored me with that because I helped you win the battle. You've done, but with this group right here, I've already judged them. None of them are good. No one will ever be good out of this breed. No one will ever be good. God knows the end from the beginning. They'll, nobody will ever turn to me out of this race here, this nation of people. Destroy it all. He kills everyone but keeps the best. And the Lord says, I regret, I regret that I have made Saul king. And so Samuel all night contends with the Lord about this deal, shows up, and he says, what in the world have you done? He said, I only obeyed the command of God. And I love Samuel's response. Then what is the sound of sheep that I'm hearing right now? So he goes on and says, look, I mean, I did what God said. We could have, but you know what? At the end of the day, some people came to me and we talked about how we should go ahead and sacrifice to God for this great win. And so we kept the best stuff to do a sacrifice. And here it comes in the 22nd verse of 1 Samuel 15. Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is, is as the sin of divination and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. A true worshiper, Bible definition of worship. Worship means obey God. If the Lord says, give, obey, that's worship. If the Lord says, run, obey, that's worship. If the Lord says, be quiet, obey, that's worship. If the Lord says, read the word, obey, that's worship. If the Lord says, pray, pray, that's worship. If the Lord says, forgive your brother, forgive him, that's worship. That's worship. And the Lord says, I'm looking for true worshipers. I'm looking for people who will obey me. And if the Lord says sing, sing. If he says shout, shout. But he did not take every town with a shout. Why do we go to churches and we want to shout every service? God didn't take every city with a shout. 
So it doesn't mean that we should have to shout every service. God didn't have expressions of joy in everything. So that doesn't mean every service you got to be laughing and rolling on the floor. What you have to do is obey. Some of God's most powerful services are like, shh. But because we're religiously worshiped, oh, Lord God, oh, God, God, everybody else is quiet. And you're screaming and, Lord, I love you, Lord. And we're like, God's not in your song at all. You are emotionally responding right now. Because if you were in the spirit, obedience would be be quiet. But now if everybody is like, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And you're like, you're definitely not in the spirit. Well, I don't feel like shouting, but he says to shout and I am do it by the spirit, not by my emotions anyway. Because again, we, all those little religious Christians, what do they do? Well, you know, we're supposed to be led by faith, but I don't feel like, well, you're not supposed to feel faith, right? You're just supposed to obey God. I don't feel like singing. Who cares? Sing. And there, and since you're not created to sing, all of us forever in eternity, although we will sing, you can make a joyful noise. So God did include you. Right? So, again, it should be easy. If people are truly worshiping, they come to church. Because he said, don't forsake the assembly. And you, can't, you cannot interpret that any other way. <laughs> and they are trying. But they are already, I mean, it's like, they, you know, you don't have to go to church. They use this scripture all the time, assemble. But they didn't actually go to church. They assembled. They did assemble. And God says assemble, and you can't assemble by yourself. Can't happen. I mean, it's just crazy doctrine out there. But it's because the devil's really good at keeping people separated and not true worshipers. Are you hearing me? Well, how relevant is this to today? Well, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 34. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, recognizing that he had answered them. Well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus said, the foremost is here. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord with all your heart. Sing, sing, sing. Because you were created to worship. Now, if you define worship like God, then you could say, we were created to worship. Because I was created to always obey my father. So it is true. We were created to worship when worship means to obey God, whatever he says. So if God says sing, I worship him singing because I obey. If God says to lay down and be still, I worship him. If the Lord says, go to this place and pay for this person's meal, I go do it. I'm worshiping him. You know, you can worship God that way. We say worship God with your giving. Well, the reason we worship God with the giving is because he says give. Worship then means not because we're singing it out of our hands, but it's because we're obeying the command of God. So Jesus says, well, they asked what's the foremost. Jesus answered, the foremost is this, hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord with all your, there's your spirit, all your, there's your soul realm, that's your mind, will, emotion, and with all your mind, that's your intellect, and with all your, that's your body. Your body's not your own. Okay? The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else beside him. Now look where this guy goes. And that you shall love him with all your heart, and with all your understanding, with all your strength and love your neighbor as himself. In so much more is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Didn't we just read this? That Samuel tells Saul, you get no more kingdom. God's stripping you of your king's anointing because you are coming and giving a sacrifice of praise. Oh, you don't want to hear this. That's fine. You're going to come and bring a sacrifice of praise, but you're not going to actually obey me. I mean, you're going to sweat more than anybody. You're going to dance more than anybody. You're going to shout more than anybody. You're going to run more than anybody. Unless you're in the house that teaches this stuff, and then you don't move at all. But then you go to places that nobody knows you, and you're all over the place. And he says, all that burnt offerings and sacrifice, he said, when Jesus saw, look what he says, when Jesus saw that he answered intelligent, look what he responds. He said to him, look what he said, you are not far from, you want to get in the kingdom? You got to obey. It's not, you're not singing your way in. Your singing is not making you more kingdom. Your obedience is what makes you kingdom. And sometimes the kingdom says, you need to sing. I said, you need to sing. You need to sing. Because if the Lord tells me just to dance, or if he tells me to run, I'll run. If he tells me to shout, I'll shout. And you understand, I'll praise, period. And a lot of times, you know, you get in some places where there's a lot of ministers, they don't do nothing. But I get around a lot of saints that all they do is sing. And they ain't obedient. Which means they're not a true worshiper. Because they don't put down the flesh. They don't crucify it. They don't walk holy. Meaning they don't keep themselves separated unto God. All right, it's getting, getting nice and loud up in this place right here. Ooh, love it. Well, then we got to define love, right? Because if God's looking for true worshipers and worship means to obey him, he said, now he seeks. What was he seeking when he went after David? A man after his own heart. And what was David? A man who obeyed. There are only three accounts, I believe it is, three accounts of David of his failures. But yet we act like, you know, they're right there, especially the, you know, the Bathsheba one, right there. You know what? He did so many more obedient things. I mean, it just compels in comparison his obedience to God compared to his three documented disobedient things. He was a man after God's. This wasn't. And most people say a man after God's own heart is a man who's quick to repent. God was after his after this guy before he ever became king. 
So his repentance to Nathan didn't mean it was a man after his own heart. It was because he was already a guy that recognized worship is obeying God. And since you've called me out and you're right, who am I to kill the prophet? Because other kings did that. To make them continue to look good. He said, I'm going to obey God. Because that's what a true worshiper does. They obey him. And you can't obey God in spirit and in truth unless you're connected to truth. Hallelujah. Because worship means you love him. How do we know this? John 14, 15 says it this way. If you love me. Who's saying this? So you can't just sing, I love you, I love you, I love you. I mean, we sing these songs about how much we love God. But he's like, I don't care your, t I mean, you know, half this, half, so many people are married and they're hearing, I love you. And most don't believe it because it's a word without action. And you, you're not duping the Lord. The Lord's not a man that he should lie, number one, nor is the Lord mocked. So you can't say out of your mouth, I love you, and he don't know in your heart that it's a lie. Through your actions. If you love me, Jesus the King defines how he knows you love him. Oh my gosh. Guys, I've already told you this, and it bears repeating today. God creates Adam in his image. He's just like God, no sin. But how does God even know Adam loves him? He's made in his image. Why would he not know that Adam loves him? He can only know one way. Adam has to obey to show love. That's why he says, you can eat of any tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for the day you eat, you die. I just want to know, Adam, do you love me? It's the only way. Saying, I love you, doesn't mean it. And Jesus reaffirms this. Now, if you love me, you sometimes, but not always, because you understand this is grace anyway, you don't have to do jack. You will keep my commandments. And there's so many people religiously worshiping Jesus right now as false worshipers crying out. This is why I'll never forget I was in at a particular conference. And these teenagers were on this wall just wailing, wailing in a, in a praise session. Just, I mean, crying, everything. And I'm like, wow, man, these teens are going after it. And the Lord told me, he said, no, they're not. He said, I don't even hear them. I'm like, Lord. He said, none of them are connected to me in the spirit at all. Now, that doesn't mean God is not compassionate. That doesn't mean that God isn't trying to move them somewhere to get them somewhere. See, here's the thing. Don't be so arrogant to think God's got to accept how I'm doing it. I mean, that's the act. I, 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 I cried out and cried out. He had... God doesn't have to do anything but what his word says. And if you'll do his word, then he has to do that. 
That's why Jesus can be in a crowd. This is why people are so crazy. And they think, well, if I just get in the presence of God, just get in the presence. God has been in the presence of all kinds of people and did nothing. It did not change them permanently. You know what miracle signs are? If we could just get the miracles back, can we just get the miracles back? Miracle signs and wonders does not mean permanent change in people. Because Jesus did miracle signs and wonders three years into the ministry. He said, I ain't doing no more miracles in this town. All you do is seek a sign. You are a perverse and evil generation. All you do is seek a sign. I'm so sick and tired of all the signs that are testifying of me. If you, if you believe the signs, then you would obey me. But you're not obeying me, so I'm not going to perform for you. So you can't come and make me do what you want, nor can you make me respond to you in your flesh. I'm not going to be in your service just because you're crying and you got a problem. But I'll be in your presence if you'll make a demand on my word and I'll show up, I'll show out, I'll stand up, I'll do it. And I'll deliver you like nobody else. But your crying doesn't do nothing for me. He can say, I got a whole book of criers that I did nothing. Are you hearing me? Because this is how good God is. You can be doing so much in the flesh and God will send you a spirit man or woman to come by and say, now, honey, I can show you some things that help move God. But if you want to worship God your way religiously, then you'll get that God. <laughs> well, but he's done stuff for me. He's done stuff for the people praying for you while you stay ignorant. That's the problem. Did God get you out of that? Yeah, but it wasn't your prayers. It was someone who knew how to tap God on your behalf. There was a Moses in your life that was standing up while you were stiff, st stubborn, and hard-hearted, doing it your way, and somebody was in the gap still for you. And yeah, it was God, but it was nothing you were snotting out. Just say amen anyway. <clears throat> this is true deliverance right here, people. Because this is how you tap into God and become a true worshiper. Because you're like, I'll find out what God says. Because he said, now, if you love me, you'll keep my word. Then he goes on down in the 21st chat, verse of the same chapter. And he says, he who, ha who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. But what is it that shows that we love him? We he have his commandments and we keep them. Then he goes down to 23rd verse, in case you're confused. He says, Jesus answered said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. Which then implies, if you don't keep my word, dad is definitely displeased. Okay. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not Love me. Now, how do we know who doesn't love him? Doesn't keep my word. Well, I love the Lord. Well, you're keeping his word. Well, I mean, when you, you're going to church, well, I go when I want to. But the Lord says, don't forsake this. It's yourself together. You're supposed to get up underneath the pastor, man. Become part of a body, you know. Share, pray. I mean, you know, well, you know, someone so hurt me. I got church hurt. Well, you're just offended. You know, get over it. Forgive. Let's go. Well, you don't know what I've been? Okay, so you don't love him then. Don't tell me I don't love him. You don't judge me. I'm not judging you. The scripture said if you're not keeping his words, you don't love him. What do you want me to say? 
I'm not going to believe your lie. I mean, you want me to believe you over the word. Who is saying verse 24? He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. And that's what he's saying. Now, I'm not saying this. Daddy told me to say this. So you don't do what I'm saying? And then you act like you're right with dad? And you and dad are tight? Oh, go on over to 1 John. Just so we have no confusion today before we leave. Because God's seeking true worshipers. That are those, listen, this is why heaven will be nothing but worshipers. Because everyone who is with God in heaven, for the time frame we are, <laughs> before we come back to a new heaven, new earth, at the end of the day, they will be worshipers because we will obey dad. We love to. I mean, we just love to obey dad because he's life. He's love. He's existence. And his ways, the only way. And we're so good with that because it makes us discover who we are and all that we can be. First John chapter two, verse three through six says this, by this we know that we have come to know him. By this we know that we have come to know him. Notice it doesn't say experience him. Because you can experience something about someone without knowing something. I've been in plenty of sports or concert experiences or political experiences for that and don't know the people. But I've been in an experience and I've walked down and go, wow, that was some experience. And it touched me. It moved me. But I don't have a personal relationship with that which moved me. But this we know that if we have come to know him, if we keep his commands, the one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a is a what? It's a liar. And the, so God's seeking after true worshipers and the, and he seeks after them who worship him in spirit. And so if you don't keep his word, then you're a liar and the truth's not with you. So that means you're really not a true worshiper. So you're manipulating God's scripture to worship him the way you want to, but he don't hear you. But now he wants to be able to have the relationship. But you have to have it on his terms. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We, we don't get in this relationship our way. Right. Why do we think then we get to love him our way? Right. Okay. So I have come to know him. If, if one says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Amen. By this, we know that we are in him. How do we know? Because we come to church and sing. And we are the most passionate singer. We sing more than anyone else. Longer, harder, faster. No. 
By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And Jesus did not love his will even unto death. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. I'm only going to do what you say because I'm a true worshiper. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 